My name is Evelyn To, and I am a coach on the guest experience team. What I normally do on a Sunday is to make sure all my team members have what they need to do their uh, job, anywhere from parking to being a greeter in the lobby, also our auditorium host. I started learning the ropes of how the whole team works because it allowed me to really get to know the ins and outs, all the preparation work that the guest experience team have to do each weekend. They basically play human Tetris to make sure that we're all um, social distanced and seated properly. I normally check in with each and every single one of my team personally, like chat with them about how their week's been. I am not from anywhere from here and uh, it is really nice to have an extended family like this. And I really do feel like our team is very much a family. I consider all the people on our serving team, especially the older ones, who may not feel comfortable to come out uh, for any number of reasons. I thought maybe if I penned a note to them, this could encourage them and let them know that somebody out there is thinking about them. I was just gonna write one or two cards a week. This has now become a pretty big project. I have written hundreds of cards to a lot of our team members. I have now had a lot of people come to me and said the time that they have gotten the card from me, that was the week that they really needed the encouragement. I don't need to know everything. I just need to be obedient and say yes, and then he will equip me with what I need to do, whether it's work or leadership positions I've had. All I need to say is yes. Evelyn, the difference she's making here. Come on. And if that's you, we just want you to know we have a spot for you. If you're looking for a way that you can serve to make a difference, um, you can follow that link as well. We'd love to have you. But hey, everyone, welcome. So glad you're with us today. Everyone at the campuses, everyone watching online. You guys doing all right today? Hey, me too. I'm loving this series that we are in rally cry, all right? And, and here's what a rally cry is. A rally cry is just a word or phrase or idea that brings people together in support of something important or worthwhile, right? The rally cry is what you hear. It's that flag in the ground. It's that moment where from here on out, everything else changes. And when the way we've been looking at it in this series is to say, hey, th this past year, our lives got hit really hard, both personally, but then collectively in individual areas. So what we've said is, hey, how do we rally around those areas in our lives? And over the past few weeks, we've looked at what does it look like to rally around the next generation and to influence them? What does it look like to rally around our marriages? And today, we want to rally around community. Relationships got hit really, really hard this past year. We were disconnected. We were removed from one another. We physically couldn't even be there if we wanted to. So what we've said is, hey, now this is that moment. This is the time where we rally. This is the time where we protect what matters most. And we believe by doing that, that in this moment, infusing Jesus into our community, that can be stronger than ever. 
and community. I love community and I love a good rally cry. And you put those two things together, the first thing that comes to my mind is a little movie, maybe you've heard of it, Remember the Titans. Anybody, any Titans fans in here? But you know the moment I'm talking about, where the rally cry happened, where things were not going well, they were disconnected, this community was just not coming together until one night, it's late, sun's down, just the lights are out there and they're just going through the motions but they got no heart in it until they have this moment where Gary calls out one of the guys and then they all begin playing together. And do you remember the rally cry that started right there on that field? Left side, strong side. Y'all just saying stuff. <laughs> no, but it's this moment and we're gonna, we're gonna relive it right now here. And if you haven't seen it, go home today. Homework number one, watch Remember the Titans. But listen, it's just this moment where Gary and Julius, they come together and they say left side. Strong side, left side, strong side, left side, strong side, ah! And then they smash heads. We're not going to do that part. COVID protocols uh, is frowned upon. But there's this moment, right, where they join together. And so much was going on during that time when that movie was shot. Things like segregation and people coming together. And, and I think that's really what does it. When we see that. The unlikely coming together, our hearts are drawn to that. And here's what it is. We want friends that become family. Friends that have every reason not to be, but then there's something, there's something common, there's something that unites them, that they become family. And that's the kind of community that Jesus talks about. That's the kind of community that God offers everyone. That it was this community that came through and it took this crazy broken world that was segmented with all these different people and it brought them all together in one. I mean, look at the way that Galatians talks about it. It says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female for you are all one in Christ. Come on, can we celebrate? what Jesus has done and what he continues to do and what we strive after. And to do that, to look at that idea of community, that togetherness, we're gonna look at the first community, the, the community that was birthed right after Jesus came, his first followers. What did that community look like? Because that community shook up the world. That community changed the way we do life. That community is why we are a community talking about community 2,000 years later. And to do that, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. All right, Acts chapter 2. And just a fun fact, uh, I didn't grow up in church. And when I first came here, I was sitting over there. Aaron was preaching on the book of Acts. He said, turn, to your, turn your Bibles to the book of Acts. I thought it was the book of Acts which I was pretty excited about. I'll be honest with you. I was like, I'm in. I don't know what we're chopping up, but let's do it. Um, not an Acts. It's the Acts of, the Acts of the Apostles, or maybe even better said, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And where we're going to pick up is with the followers of Jesus right after Jesus' ministry on earth, after he went to a cross. These people saw a guy murdered, thrown into a tomb. They saw that same guy come out and start living and talking and teaching. 
And then he says, hey, it's not over. We're only just beginning. Wait here until the Holy Spirit comes. And I'm sure they were sitting around because after he says this, he just kind of <laughs> ascends into heaven. And they're like, well, there's that. How are we going to know? And they're like, well, let's keep our eyes open, guys. All right, we're not going to miss the Holy Spirit. All right, you look this way. I'll look this way. You let me know if you hear anything. Yeah, they couldn't have missed it if they tried. But look at this. In Acts chapter 2, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. Sounds like a rally cry. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. This is wild. So in this moment, there's people that have traveled from all over. They speak different languages. And to think about this, when the power of God comes, when his spirit is released, the first thing that it does is unites people together. The first thing that it does is it offers a supernatural ability to be able to speak in a way that other people can understand. Why? Because the message could not be missed. It needed to be heard. So God made a way. And Peter steps up and he begins to preach the gospel. He begins to tell all of these people that have come in, here's what happened. The God that you know, the God that you worship, he became a man. That Jesus wasn't just some ordinary guy that was crucified. That was God's son. And God went to that cross to pay the penalty for our sins, to remove the separation so that now and moving forward for all of eternity, we could have this relationship with God. We could have community with God. Come on. And Peter's preaching. He's preaching the lights out. And then people ask the only thing that they can ask. Okay. What can we do? It says that their hearts were pierced. They were wide open. What do we do? And look at what Peter says. It says, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, a.k.a. this one's for everybody. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Come on. He's laying it out there. He tells them, okay, this is what you need to do. And it's amazing. Thousands of people were saved. Thousands of people got baptized. Thousands of people joined in on what God was doing. But I do want to just highlight one line here. It said, then Peter continued preaching for a long time. 
the Bible endorses long sermons. That's what I read. It's biblical. And if you're ever wondering, hey, this sermon feels a little bit long, I'd love to talk about duration of sermons. I would love to hear from you. Right now, I mean, just take this down. Email me. You can email me at abrocket at tpcc.org. Let's have a conversation, okay? No, but really, God is at work. The Holy Spirit comes preaching the lights out. Thousands of people are gathering together. They're all rallying, saying, what do we do now? What do we do now? People are getting baptized left and right. What next? What would be the, the craziest thing that could happen? What would they do now that God has individually pierced their hearts and cut them wide open? Well, in the translation I'm reading in the NLT, the next heading that comes over that says the believers form a community. The believers form a community. And you can look at this from across this whole book. When God moves, when there's an act of God, it does start with individuals, their hearts being pierced, their eyes being opened, but it always leads to community. It always leads to a togetherness. Our God is a creative God. He is a multiplying God. He is a unifying God. Forming communities from now till forever. Okay? And it says that they formed a community. So what we want to do now is for the rest of our time is just to look at that community, to see what they were focused on, to answer this question of how do we rally around our communities? How do we rally around them? How do we breathe life into them? What does it look like to gather together, to be united in one voice? What did they do? And can we know? We can. I love this book. It tells us exactly what they did. It tells us that they formed the community. And then look, in verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And what we want to do is to say that we want to rally around our communities. We want them to be stronger than ever. Let's get to this. Let's, let's talk about what each one of those are and what they look like showing up in our lives in this season. And the first word that I just want to focus on is devote. They, dev they devoted themselves. And we need to devote ourselves in the idea of community. A lot of times community is one of those after the fact things like the cherry on top. Like if the season allows for it, then I will have community. Then I'll invite some people over. Or when my kids get a little bit older, then I'll have community. Or, or when I graduate from school, then I'll have time to focus on community. But community is not extra. Community is essential. And we can't make the hard things optional or we will never do them. So we have to say that no, no, we're devoted to this. We want to see this thing through. And then the next thing it says is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. And maybe you're like, what teachings are those? And it probably would have been broken up into three big categories, right? They were devoted to this. They had a hunger for this, the gospel, meaning Jesus saves. This is what Peter was just preaching on, that that, God that, you, that guy that you crucified, that was God. And he wasn't here by just coincidence. He was here to do a very important thing, to save the world, to remove the sins, and to purify and cleanse us so that we could have an eternal relationship with God. 
that's what, he's, that's what they were focused on, this teaching. The Bible. You see this after Jesus resurrected and he comes back, he's showing people, hey, this whole thing, it's one unified story that points over and over and over again to me. I am the fulfillment of all of this. And because of that, you now have to read this book differently. They, they devoted themselves to that. And then the final thing is they devoted themselves to the kingdom of God. All that means is how I live as a result of the first two being true. If the gospel is true, if Jesus is who he said he is, and if this Bible is now one overarching unified story, all pointing to Jesus, then how I live is different. And if you look at Jesus' ministry, he was constantly talking about this, this idea of repent, stop, turn, walk in a different direction because a new day has come. A new kingdom is being ushered in. A new community is now here. And the way we live in this community is very, very different. So they had a hunger for this. They were looking out for this. They were talking to one another and hearing the teachings from the apostles to know how can we do this more and better and more often? How can our lives align with these three things now more than ever? They were devoted to it. And that's the same thing that we need. That if we're going to look at starting with strong communities, rallying around them, we have to come to this spot of like, I'm, I devote myself to the teachings of God. I devote myself to, to, to growing closer to him, looking more like him. I devote myself to it. That's the first thing. And then the second thing, and maybe this one, this doesn't mean much to you because you don't even know what it means. But it says that they devoted themselves to fellowship. And no harm, no foul if you don't know what fellowship was. I didn't know what fellowship was. I was hanging out one day and some guy was like, hey, you want some fellowship? Uh, me? I, I said, oh, no, sir. I'm a vegetarian. Um, <laughs> you got any plant-based products? I don't do fellowship, I don't think. Um, but fellowship isn't a food. Um, fellowship, here, here's what it is. When the focus of our friendship is discipleship, that's fellowship. It's a very unique kind of relationship. But I know you're reading this and like, well, bud, you just used one word to describe another word that I don't know what it means. Give me time. Discipleship. What that is, that is just a disciple. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, is being transformed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. So what is fellowship? It is this shared process of this. The shared process of discipleship, meaning we're going to lock arms, we're going to come together, and I'm going to walk with you every step of the way as you follow Jesus. I'm going to be there every step of the way, and I'm going to get to see you transformed into what only God can do. I'm going to be with you every single step of the way as we are both committed to the mission. And as I lock arms with God and he pulls me along and leads me through, I'm bringing you with me. And every good thing that God gets me, you're going to be a recipient of the love and grace and the newness that God is creating in my life. And we get to walk together in this. That is fellowship. And one of the phrases that the Bible used to explain what does fellowship look like, because it's so big and it's so vague, it's actually filled with all of these different things that we can do and we should do to share in this with one another. But it's really found in one phrase over and over and over and over again. And it's this phrase, one another. One another. You see this come up 
over and over and over again. This is how we fellowship. And I just wanted to grab a handful of them, just a handful of them. And you can take a screenshot of this, but this is just a, 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 a menu, just a slight picture of what it looks like for fellowship. We do all of these things with one another. The Romans 12, that we honor one another. That fellowship looks like this. I honor you with my words and with my life. Fellowship is Galatians. We share each other's burdens, meaning you don't have a problem anymore. We have a problem. Hebrews 10.24, we stir one another up towards acts of love and good works. We have people in our lives that are living in such a way that it motivates us, it encourages us, it brings us when we're down and, and low and we need something. We got people in our lives that are calling it out of us, challenging us to, hey, do a little bit more. Hey, let's get this thing going. Stirring one another up. And then James, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And in Galatians, this is kind of summarizing all of it. Serve one another. Serve one another. These one another's have framed up what it looks like for us to be a church, our, our values. I mean, it's even founded them. This is the way we say it around here. That we will always look for ways to contribute rather than consume. Then when we show up, it doesn't matter the party, it doesn't matter the setting, the place. I'm showing up and I'm looking for who can I serve? How can I help? I'm a part of this community, but I'm not just here to take and to consume. I'm here to contribute. But I do want to make a distinction, and it's going to sound a little bit different because it's, a, it's different than what we say a lot of times. Both are true and we need both, okay? We need Christian friends, we need Christian friends. And you can show up here most of the time we talk about the importance of having non-Christian friends. And we do. We need non-Christian friends in our communities. Living with them, loving them, not in some ploy, not as a project, but to seriously love them, no strings attached. But we also need Christian friends because of this aspect of fellowship. You cannot have fellowship with someone that doesn't know Jesus. They're not going to be able to go there with you. All right? I mean, I mean think about this list of, of one another's. How can you pray for me if you don't pray? But I need you to pray for me. That's unfair for me to place that kind of devotion on you when you haven't signed up for it. I, I, I can't give that to you because you're not going there. It's like for me. If you came up to me after service and say, hey, here's 20 bucks. When you go to the hardware store, pick this up for me. I'm not going. <laughs> I have no reason to go there. There is nothing in my life that is going to take me to that spot. I'm going to hold your $20 forever until I spend it. Um, there are things that we need brothers and sisters in Christ that only they can do. That when we talk about praying for one another... I. I need someone that actually prays. When we talk about carrying our burdens, the idea that you get is you're carrying their burdens to the cross. We need people in our lives that are daily going to the cross with us and for us. So this week, let's make that shift. Because I know over the past year, a lot of our lives have been hit. Relationships are different and strained. And maybe they've drifted. Maybe they once were fellowship or maybe you've never had fellowship. But here's the question. Here's the DTR, define the relationship question we're going to ask this week. Can this relationship be focused on discipleship? This one. 
Can it be focused on discipleship? Because community can be built around so many things. But this one, these relationships, can this be focused on discipleship, becoming and looking more like Jesus? Because we'll gauge the health differently. This is the way we'll look at it. This is the question we're always coming back to. Are we becoming more like Jesus? Are we become, what am I doing that is helping you do that? What can I do more of? What am I doing that's hurting you from doing that? What can I stop doing? How can I serve you in this season that we can have fellowship together? All right, so th- th- those are big ones, like apostles teaching. It's a fellowship. And then maybe the next one is going to sound surprising to you, like it's out of place almost, all right? So take a look at this. They were devoted to sharing meals together. Some of you are like, I didn't know that was a spiritual gift because I can eat with the best of them. If they would put that as an opportunity around here, I would be eating all the time. Does that even fit? I mean, spiritual, community, I mean, Christians, right? I mean, teachings, Bible, with it, I get it. That makes sense. Fellowship, growing to be like more like Jesus. But sharing meals together? But think about this. It's actually probably one of the most spiritual things we can do ever. But think back to this past year and how your relationships were strained. What was missing? When was the last time you were able to share a meal at your table with someone that wasn't in your family? What does it look like this week to share a meal at your table? And I'm telling you, this makes a whole lot more sense when you start looking at how the Bible talks about food and tables and shared experience. That the only thing that it can link in it to is heaven and feasts and banquets. Then if you look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, where did most of it occur? Around a table, eating and drinking with other people. Because there's something that happens around the table that is incredible. And if we're gonna have strong communities, strong communities, it starts with strong kitchen tables where we invite people in and we are curious. We prepare a feast for them. And then we sit down and we ask questions and we listen. And we learn about other people, about their experiences, about their life, about what they went through, about what they're going through, about their hopes. And what does that do that brings me in in a way that I can love you so much differently now? That we need more and more people around our tables, filling our kitchen tables, our dining room tables. You know, they say it takes a village to raise a kid. It takes a village to raise a Christian. To have a community of people that you're not just keeping at bay, but no, you're in my house. Yeah, you see the fruit punch stain on my wall. You see what the, 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 you see all of it. And I'm inviting you into that. Share a meal with one. We want to rally. We've got to be able to invite people into the most intimate spaces in our lives. And that brings me to the next one. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. What does it look like to be devoted to prayer? Because a lot of times I think we miss it. A lot of times prayer gets shortchanged, really quick, transaction. A lot of times prayer is reduced to you share something, somebody says, hey, I'll be praying for you. That was the prayer. Now, what does it look like to pray, to be devoted to prayer? Because the Bible talks about prayer in a very unique way. It even goes as far as to say, hey, pray without ceasing. That my day is just one continuous prayer. 
that I'm constantly in connection with God. And you know, there's a, our executive pastor, Greg, he, he probably lives this out better than anyone I have ever met. You will be with him, talking with him in a meeting, and my man can go from here to heaven real quick. And I asked him about it. He's like, hey, I'm always praying. Sometimes I bring other people along with me, which is unbelievable if you've ever been around it. There was one time it scared me. Um, he picked us up from here and we were going to the airport and we were on the interstate and we're talking, laughing, having a good time. And then boom, my man just jumps into prayer, starts praying, Lord, thank you so much. And I do default response prayer. I just put my head down, start praying. And then my heart skips. He's driving. And I'm like, is this brother's eyes open? Like I've never prayed with my eyes open before. It, they were, and we made it there <laughs> safely. But this is this idea, if we're gonna be devoted to prayer, I'll tell you what it looks like. I met with a volunteer um, a while back downtown and she wanted to be on the prayer team, the, the team that comes up at the front of the stage right after service and meets with people. And I just asked her, I said, there's a lot of places you could serve. Why do you want, why do you want this space? And she said, my default response to life is prayer. And I said, talk slower so I can write that down and use it <laughs> in a sermon. Um, she said, my, I said, tell me what that means. She said, I wake up. And before I get out of bed, I'm already praying, asking God to take me out of bed. That when I get ready, I'm praying for God to set my day before me. When I get my daughter ready for school, I'm preparing her and praying over her as we go. As she walks into school, I'm praying that God would lead her through that whole thing. When I'm driving down the street and I hear an ambulance, I begin to pray for whatever's going on, that God would be with them. I thought that, that's, that's what it looks like to be devoted to prayer. And that's, that's the kind of, of community we want to be, that no matter what comes up, when it comes up, our first move is, hey, I'm taking this to God. And you know, this, this past week, a, a part of our community got hit really, really hard. And we want to pray for them right now in this moment. And maybe you saw this, uh, the, the murders in Atlanta, in the Asian community, the AAPI community. And what we want to do right now is to see them, to be with them, to pray for them, to stand with them in this moment. This is the, one of the most important things we can do is to devote ourselves to prayer. And we're going to do all of those things. But before I pray, I do want to make a few things clear. The first one being, until we begin to see the world differently, nothing will change. As long as we see this as an event that happened to the Asian community, it will never get better. Until we see this through God's eyes, to see this for what it is, until we can say these words, our sisters were murdered this week. God talks about community in the sense of family, in the sense of body, in the sense of all together. Until we can see that, things won't get better. This is our family. This is our community. This is our body. We're coming alongside. It's not optional. The second thing is, God has given us the Holy Spirit, a unifying spirit, a empowering and strengthening spirit. This spirit was not just given so that we could be polite and to have good table manners and smile when times are hard. This spirit was given 
to go against evil. This spirit was given to push back darkness, that we would go head first into all of it and we would bring with it a light that the darkness cannot extinguish. Then when we step into this, we are praying and we are weeping with those who weep, but we are coming with the power of God to dismantle it in all of its forms. So right now, I'm going to lead us in this prayer, but we are going to pray together, one voice, all campuses, all people. Pray with me. God, we pray right now. And we pray for our Asian brothers and sisters. And we pray for you to be with them, for you to lead them. And God, I pray that your spirit would rest on them. And God, I pray that you would send us. God, they need people to weep with. Let us weep with them. God, they need people to fight for them. Let us fight for them. God, allow us to see us for who you've made us to be, brothers and sisters in Christ. When we see what was spilled, we know that that was someone who was made in your image and someone that Jesus died for. Let us respond accordingly. Give us everything that we need to come alongside and to help bring healing to a part of our body that has been hurt. We all hurt. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. To rally around our communities. This is the question. How can I pray for you this week? There's only one rule, no vague prayers. They have to be real. You get into these prayer circles and you ask, all right, we're gonna pray for each other. How can I pray for you? Okay, thank you for asking. Um, yeah, so I, I'm gonna set this up. Okay, so my, my second cousin's neighbor, um, their dog is having a surgery tomorrow. I'm like, well, what's the dog's name? Oh, I don't know. I'm not praying for that dog. Um, how can I pray for you this week? This is such a personal question. And for growth to happen, for us to rally around, it has to be honest answers. That how can I pray for you? You can pray for me for my anger. I lost it. I was so rude and mean to my kids and my wife. I, I need help. Can you pray for me? I don't know how this thing's gonna shake out by the end of the month. The money is not adding up. Would you, would you pray for me? That we offer these real and honest and vulnerable prayers and we invite someone in to share that with us. And what happens when you pray for someone? That you get to take them by the hand and go into the presence of God with them. That as you're standing there with them, they feel it, you're there in that moment and what it does for you is it gives you such an empathy. You begin to see what they see and hear what they hear and you begin to experience so that you can serve them better. Shared prayers that we're gonna go through our life with, praying for one another, devoted to it. And then there's one thing that he mentions in there 
that it ties all of them together. And it takes not only the teachings, it takes the prayer, it takes the sharing meals together, it takes the fellowship and it puts it into one specific thing. And it's called the Lord's Supper or communion is the way we talk about it. And I know I've went through different ways where I've looked at this and I've had different thoughts. But what communion is, is so beautiful and so powerful and so essential to rallying around our communities because it brings fellowship with God and fellowship with one another all together in one place. And I just want to show you, here's what this is. Here's what that meal represents, what it embodies. And it comes straight from Jesus. Look at this. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. This is what communion is. It's this moment where we come before God and we are reminded that it was his body that was broken. It was his blood that was spilled. And it wasn't for nothing. It was a great cost to bring us to this space that we're in today where we have fellowship with God the Father. We have fellowship with Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with the Holy Spirit and we have fellowship with one another. So as we sit there and we share in this meal, it pulls all of that together into one concentration. So this week, if we want to rally around our communities, share communion with other people. Find a day this week to take communion with other people. And we have it. You can grab it on the way out. That it's a little prepackaged thing. You can take it with you. Or make a feast about it. Share a big meal. Bake some bread. Pour the finest juice or wine that you have. And take a moment gathered around a table in fellowship. And to toast to the God that made all of this possible. And to sit in community realizing how far our God had to go to create it. You will walk out with a new gratitude. A new appreciation not only for God but for the people that you're sitting with. We're going to share communion together. And I love, I love this book. It tells you exactly what happens. That they lived out those things. They were devoted to them. Devoted to the apostles' teachings. They were devoted to fellowship, devoted to prayer, devoted to sharing meals together. And then look, look at what happened. It says a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met to gather in one place and shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Is this not a community that you would wanna be a part of? A community 
that gathered together and shared everything, that truly did life together. And maybe the most fascinating thing here is that what is a result of this, of us in our community, the result is each day the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. More people were seeing, what is that? How are they living like that? Why do you love the way that you do? You're not supposed to be in this room together. You guys have never been here together. How can you differ so much on so many different things, but how can you come together? Tell me. And over and over again, they got the opportunity to tell people what was so different. It was their God that was so different. And I just wanna put it out there right now for all of those who are with us today, looking to be added to the fellowship. I just want you to know that you are worthy of community. That this is a message for all. No matter your background, no matter where you come from, no matter how you've named yourself up until this point, that there is a God who moves heaven and earth. There is a God who speaks universes into existence and there is a God who said you are worth dying for. And in this moment, I just want to create a space in community that right now you maybe have come in here alone or you're watching online alone. You are not alone. You are with a fellowship of people meeting all over this city and all around this world, unified by the spirit of God. And I just want to create a place where you can respond to that message, that you can walk in this community because you belong not on the fringes, not as a maybe, not as come back next time, right now. God uses language like my son and my daughter. He uses language like I am your father. You didn't barely make the cut. You are loved more than you will ever know. And you can spend a lifetime in all of eternity trying to comprehend how big and how wide and how long God's love is for you. But I wanna create a space to respond. So once again, I'm gonna pray, but we're all praying right now, praying together as one voice. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this community that you've laid out before us, a, un a unified community in your spirit bound together with one another, living in such a way, sharing with one another, caring for one another, serving one another. This is the fellowship. And God, we pray right now for anyone who's looking for community, anyone looking for fellowship, anyone who's seeing you for who you are and they want in. God, let this be the moment. God, you draw them in. And if that's anyone here today and you're looking for that, you're looking for fellowship. You're looking for a relationship with your creator, a life that cannot be found elsewhere. Right now in this moment, I just wanna lead you through a prayer. And you don't have to raise your hand or move, but just, just slide your hand up and place it over your heart. And as you hear your heart beat, know that there was a God who put it there, a God who knows you, a God who knows how many beats per minute it goes, how many hairs are on your head, who knows your deepest, your deepest and darkest secrets. And in this moment, from now into eternity says, I love you. You are worthy 
all the things that you have done that separated you from God and from others in this moment, God can restore, God can cleanse, God can heal. God, in this moment we ask that you would draw all people to yourselves. God, we pray that your word, your gospel, you, Jesus, the one who came, the one who died on the cross, the one who was thrown in the grave, God, you resurrected, and because of that, we too can resurrect in new life. God, as you died for the whole world, use us to bring this world back together through fellowship, unified in your spirit, Jesus. God, we pray that today could be that day that more were added to the fellowship. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we, can we celebrate all those who were added to the fellowship? And I just want to ask you right now, all across our campuses, everywhere, to stand with us in this moment. You know, you can find community anywhere. It's fascinating to me, this new talk on community. It's everywhere. Like you even look at like the gaming scene, playing video games, which was once one of the most isolated events you could do in your parents' basement for far too long. Now there's a whole community around it, people joining together. Why? Because they're filling that need. They, they need, they know that they can't do this alone. Peloton, this whole idea of working out together, building a community, that's what's selling it. And I'm telling you, you can go anywhere now and find community, but you can't find what Jesus is offering anywhere else but here through his church, connected to a body of believers. And every day we come in after a week of stirring one another up, encouraging one another, loving one another, and then we come in here and we get to hear about it. We get to hear about the miraculous that God is doing and the unifying work that he's doing, bringing all people together. And it's unbelievable, but we keep going. Because what we get to see is community perfected. God gives us a glimpse. And do you wanna know how this thing shakes out? That how these, these, we rally around these communities now. You wanna see what it looks like to rally in heaven? Look at this in Revelation 7. It says, after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. This is our rally cry, and we join in with heaven. Never stand alone. We never have to stand alone because we will always have Jesus. And Jesus defeated sin, sin and death and resurrected over all of it, proving that there is nothing we have to fear, proving there is nothing that can steal us from Him. We will never stand alone because we are a church and we know that not even the gates of hell can prevail against what God has created here. So we roar. Let the roar of this room match heaven. We roar because we stand in confidence, knowing that what God has brought together 
nothing can separate, that there is no power in hell, there's no scheme of the devil that can remove, that can break what God is purifying, what God is bringing together now in this moment. We sing worthy. Now in this moment, we come together looking to the one who was, who is, and is to come. 